And good evening. This is the Tech Travel Geeks podcast, recorded on the week of October 8th, 2018. I'm your host, Matteo, Chief Mobile Opinionist at Tech Travel Geeks. And this week, I'm joined by Lukash, our other host. Hi, Lukash. How are you? Hey, Matteo. I'm great. How are you doing today? Good. Um, had a very relaxing day. Uh, had an afternoon nap uh, in preparation for my travels tomorrow. So hopefully you had a good day of editing lots of video from the footage we took of our Huawei Mate 20 Lite uh, review and of the Honor 8X. How's the editing going? <laughs> Putting me on the spot there. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's going well. Uh, uh, I, I did some friends visiting today, but yesterday was a fun editing day. So yeah, all good. Good, good. I'm always surprised by how much uh, footage we take and then how it has to be boiled down to four to five minutes YouTube review of a smartphone or accessory. Uh, obviously, we, we cover smartphones. Uh, we cover accessories on our YouTube channel. We cover them on techtravelgeeks.com, and we also cover and discuss travel on the podcasts, which you can subscribe to on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts from. And speaking of travel, uh, we have a guest who's a, a, an expert at travel, a friend of mine from many moons ago, who used to write with me on a website called Modaco. Shout out to Paul O'Brien there. Welcome, please welcome to the podcast, Mark Dearlove. Hi, Mark. Hey, how are you doing? Nice good to be good on day. here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, thanks for coming along. It's been a while since we've we've caught up, and it's it would be I thought it would be a good idea to have a have you on the podcast to chat about your your travel. Yeah, there's plenty to chat about when it comes to my travel. Um, traveling <laughs> most of the time these days, um, although. I, talking to you uh, beforehand, just saying that uh, I'm actually hoping, hoping, fingers crossed, that I'm not going to travel now until January. Well, that's in a way a good thing, considering how much you do travel. Indeed. So let's start off talking about you. Who is Mark Dearlove? Tell us about yourself. Uh, so uh, um, I'm Mark Dearlove. I uh, live down the south coast uh, near Bournemouth, a little town called Ferndown. Um, I've been a, a technical trainer, trainer, software trainer, IT trainer, um, and currently working as director of education uh, in the software industry um, for the past 20 odd years. So um, kind of a lifelong learner, lifelong long educator um, in the IT software industry. Um, so worked for little companies like IBM, um, Teradata, and currently working for a company called Telium, which is a Californian-based company, thus doing lots of travel over there. Um, but my kind of average annual travel is about 100,000 miles a year. Wow, that's that's a lot. And, I, and a couple of years ago, we had a race uh, using an app called TripIt. We did, indeed, yeah. So TripIt is one of the tools that is in my toolkit. Um, that allows me uh, to, auto well, it automatically picks up my emails, any travel-related emails, extracts all of the data, throws my itinerary into their tool. Um, I don't really use it for that side of things anymore, but I do use it to track my mileage because it's one of the few apps that will do that automatically for me. Um, from the perspective of uh, tracking travel and itinerary sharing, I've moved wholly to Google Trips. That's really interesting. Google Trips is a great app, uh, available both for iOS and Android. Which Indeed. which platform do you use it on? Um, I use it on Android. Um, so uh, we'll probably talk about specifics of my technology uh, backpack uh, shortly. But I'm I'm a weird meld of uh, Mac user uh, plus iPad plus Android devices. Um, so I kind of cover all all areas of that. That's good. So you're very diverse and almost platform agnostic. Indeed, yeah. So on my desk currently, I've got, what have I got? A Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus, um, which is my work phone. I've got an old school these days, although it's only two and a half years old, uh, Honor 8. Um, I have, uh, I don't have an iPad here. I'm working on a Mac. I have another Mac sitting on my desk here as well. Um, and I got a few other bits and pieces as well. There's an iPad, and um, the the most important thing for traveling 
which is my Kindle. Um, reading is kind of uh, my one of my time killers, uh, particularly when I'm on an airplane. Awesome. So you, you're a reader. And what is, what's your opinion on audiobooks? Do you, do you consume them? No. Um, I've tried them a couple of times. Um, the, my opinion on them is if I need to sleep, then I'll put an audiobook on because it bores me to death and uh, that helps me sleep for a while. Fair enough. Each to their own. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I, I read both Kindle books uh, and I also, again, talking about tech, um, use a, an app called Readly. Not sure if you've come across it, but Readly is for kind of magazines, uh, electronic versions of magazines. So uh, install the app and download 50 magazines at a time. Um, so is that, a sub- is that the subscription service or do you buy each magazine edition? Individually? No, it's, uh, I think, £7.99, £7.99, just for in case there's international listeners on here. Uh, £7.99 a month for... Uh, I think up to five devices, so five ma- members of the family, as many magazines as you like. If you think about one magazine, if you want to go and buy, I know the latest uh, digital photography magazine is kind of five pounds a month. So two two magazine downloads, that's kind of paid for the whole subscription forever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's particularly in airports or train stations, the magazines sometimes look more expensive than the, than the, uh, cover price, especially when you get to the checkout and they force you to buy a chocolate bar. Yes, and and then most of it's adverts. So at least in the electronic version, the adverts are still there, but you can just swipe through them very, very fast. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm typically these days reading uh, digital photography magazines. Um, again, we'll probably touch on that shortly because that's one of my um, another one of my time killers is taking photographs and editing them. Um, yeah. So that's. A lot of those that I download, pretty much every photography magazine they have on there is, is on there. Um, obviously, things like uh, anything to do with tech, so T3 or Stuff or um, any of the Android magazines are all kind of pulled through as well. Awesome. And so let's let's find out about more about you. So you said you live on the south coast of England, Bournemouth. Yes. So... So uh, I'm originally from Hampshire um, in a place called Fareham, which is between Portsmouth and Southampton for the first 18 years of my life, um, and then moved away. Um, I've worked in the travel industry. That's that's kind of the, that was the starting point in my working life. So I worked as a travel agent for a while. Um, that's got me free flights here, there, and everywhere. Um, eventually ended up working for Virgin Atlantic. So um, working for Richard Branson, having beers with him now and again, going to parties at his house, um, but getting free flights. Most important part of that was getting free flights on the Virgin Network here, there, and everywhere, um, business class. So that kind of drove my love of travel um, and then moved into the systems side of the travel industry. So like you guys um, at uh, um, Skyscanner, I'm assuming I can say that name on here. No yes, advertising we- necessary. Uh, we we try and, and not shout out about it too much because we're not sponsored. Um, so we work in the back end. We see the ugly side of how the how the travel industry works. Which yeah, exactly. It's complex. It, it's a complex problem that everyone's trying to solve. Definitely. So I worked in a um, for a company called Worldspan back then. It doesn't exist anymore. It's part of Travelport, which is a, um, a a name that might be familiar to people in the travel industry. So basically supporting um, travel agents who were having issues with their systems, help desk type work. So I started into support, eventually started teaching because um, they said someone needs to teach this thing. And I went, well, I know it, I'll do it. I don't man- mind standing up and making a fool of myself. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. So that is my job. That's uh, that's what I do as a profession. I stand up and make a fool of myself in front of anything from one to 750 people um, on a daily basis. Awesome. So we have that in common. Yes, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> literally just come back from San Francisco right back on Friday, um, having done one of our global conferences yeah, up on stage with cameras pointing at me and people watching me and uh, delivering our training sessions on what we do as a business. So, so what, what does Telium do as a business? Well, now you ask a very long-winded question, or well, a short question with a very long-winded answer. Um, so Telium uh, is a company that probably nobody has ever heard of, um, but 
every pro everybody probably interacts with uh, in their daily life because basically we are technology that sits behind um, lots of the large corporations websites um, we're in, uh, plugged into those websites and we help those businesses um, collect and manage the data about you guys um, in a good way so it's not scary uh, freaky creepy stuff that we do it's about making sure that they're advertising to you appropriately not sending you all the junk and all the spam that they know who you are what what kind of things that you might be interested in what you have been interested in and then using machine learning these days to see if we can figure out what you're going to do on that site so then we can if you're going to abandon a purchase for example we might help uh, the companies pop up an advert or a discount code or something like that um, because we know based on history based on learned information that you're going to run away Essentially, you two are trying to kill the industry of various untargeted emails about various types of enlargements. Exactly, yes. So uh, display ads, stopping you getting those horrible display ads on websites for things that you've already bought um, or that you were interested in a month ago um, and have no preference for anymore. So we kind of track the behavioral information around what you're doing and then uh, help our customers engage with you in a much better way. Um, we call it d data orchestration. So it's about getting data from all kind of sources, putting it into a single uh, uh, single source of the truth about you, and then... So, um, yeah, so yeah. You, you work on essentially trying to make advertising and tracking of users better to give users a better experience. And within, within yeah. travel, there's actually a very big advantage to that. So when you're traveling, especially if you're roaming, data costs can be very, very high. And the last thing you want is an irrelevant ad as part of that roaming cost. You want something that's, that works for you. Definitely, yeah. And and it, it saves our customers money. It stops you guys getting annoyed, the, the general public getting annoyed. Um, and uh, it's more effective in uh, um, giving the information you want when you want it rather than just throwing too much stuff out all at once. Yeah, that's it's like Amazon keeps on asking me whether I want a new camera. And I'm like, no, I've had enough just cameras for now. Yeah. yeah, and if we, if so if, if they know that you just bought a camera and Amazon has more data on most of us than uh, any other companies, um, if they know that you've just bought a camera because they sold you one, why are they targeting with that? Why aren't you tar being targeted with the things that go with the cameras? Which you probably are as well. Um, but more precisely, things that go with the camera that you bought. And that's, that's kind of what we have try and help our customers achieve. So the, the funny th thing about that is that exactly that scenario happened to me this week. Lukesh and I were in the office uh, giggling at, I purchased uh, a SanDisk memory card, a mm -hmm. 32 gigabytes uh, micro SD card for a device. And they tried upselling me to a GoPro Hero 7 as an accessory for my memory card. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, in truth that, it is, but whether it's a relevant advertising, then yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just found, found it funny that the £10 memory card accessory was a £260 GoPro. Well, you've, you've obviously shown that behavioral, uh, behavioral trait before to uh, be well upsold. Yes. Um, needless to say, I did not purchase a GoPro uh, this week, although I am considering one now. So advertising, <laughs> it works, people. It's good. And that's what keeps Tech Travel Geeks going, hopefully, in the future. <laughs> so, um, Mark, you're, you're a trainer. Obviously, you, you cover some very technical things in the, on the internet. Um, you, what's your background? Are you more of an engineer or more of a people person? Not that um, I've always been, yeah, I've always been a trainer. Um, Really, uh, even when I was at school, kind of, kind of helped things that they didn't understand. Usually, the more technical stuff. So, when you're doing uh, computer science or uh, kind of those things at, at school, that's kind of where my forte came from. Um, I'm, I used to get into trouble a lot for taking things apart and putting them back together again. Um, things that my dad didn't want taken apart, like his ham radios. As if anybody knows what one of those is taking bits out and then putting them back and seeing if it still worked. Um, so I've always had kind of a background in that. But no, my my last 25 years 
um, and I don't look that old, but I am. Uh, I've been working for 25 years as a, as a trainer um, across various systems in the mobile network performance side. Um, I've worked in the marketing side as I am now. We kind of class ourselves as part of the digital marketing world, um, travel world, travel system work, systems world, big data companies. Um, that's really what I do well. As I say, I'm good at making a fool of myself, but actually helping people understand technical con concepts, even if they're not technical people. And how was it that you ended up with uh, Matteo writing for Modeco then? I think it was just uh, um, Paul O'Brien, another shout out for Paul there. Um, Paul O'Brien obviously had his site. He was looking for, for people to write articles on Android. I think he was transitioning a lot of his stuff from uh, kind of the old Windows mobile world. He had a big user base doing a lot of stuff from the Android uh, ROM world. I kind of had an interest in that. I was never a, a developer. I was never um, somebody that would go off and build a ROM or hack too much, but I wanted new features on my phone that I could only get by grabbing Paul's, uh, what did he call it? Something, there's something kitchen. Um, Matteo can probably yeah, the, remind the ROM, us. ROM kitchen or the Simon Osborne faster, lighter, better uh, ROMs. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, and I have an interest in technology. So you went, you, you went a bit uh, water underwatery there for some reason. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry uh, I'm, I'm not yeah. going on. I think uh... hopefully Google will uh, will handle that gracefully and I'll be able to edit <laughs> in post later. Uh, but yeah, uh, so you, you got into to Modaco. That's where we met. We were in the same mailing list writing articles uh, once yeah. that happened. And then things, uh, in a way, changed a bit. And we've we've moved on, but we're still in touch. We're still friends on on Twitter, and still occasionally compete about our crazy travels. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I think the the whole Android world has changed DROM so much anymore. I think the uh, the base Android system is so good these days. I think there's a lot of people that are, who used to need to root and run ROMs and all that kind of stuff who just either don't have an interest or have no need anymore because you can kind of tweak a lot of stuff on that platform now. Yes, and we, we've moved to a technology point where the technology isn't something as desi desirable and limited as it used to be. It's, in a way, commoditized. Everyone has access to a, a basic smartphone, even at £30. And they're good phones. There's no such thing as a bad phone anymore, at least not like the ones we were playing around with in 2009, 2010. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the the Honor phones that I have, my uh, my son still has a, a Sony phone that I won at one of those conferences I, uh, a few years ago. Um, I won that, and my son is still using it. It's working fine because um, he smashed his other one. So he had to he had a pick of a Nokia brick, or I think it's a Z1, a Sony Z1, something like that, or Z2 maybe. That's great. Um, so, yeah, we, we've also been to a few Android-related events around the world. Specifically, I think we met the first time in your hometown in Bournemouth. We did, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that uh, very uh, conference meeting thing that, uh, that I won pretty much everything at that event. <laughs> I, think I won about six prizes at that event. That was good. So, um, obviously, that day I flew down from Edinburgh via Manchester on Fly B and then took a train from Southampton to Bournemouth. Um, and it was a pretty pleasant experience. There was a lot of steps in it, but it, I got from A to B within two and a half to three hours, which I was quite, quite impressed with. By So living in Bournemouth, you're not in the, the hyper-connected London metropolitan area, but you're close enough. How do you get around in the UK? So... Um... 
I work my I, I work from home the most most of my time. Um, if I have to go in the office, then my office is in Reading, so that's an hour and a half to two hour drive. But we we only really have to be in the office on a Monday. It's quite a flexible company like that. We're all out and about, but everybody is expected to be in the office on a Monday if they're in the country. Um, other than that, if I have to go into London or if I have to go to uh, somewhere like Amsterdam or Paris, then what I'll do is I'll drive to Southampton Airport and I can get the train into London, I can fly to Paris, although they've reduced the flights to Paris from Southampton now, so it's not quite as convenient, the times aren't great. Um, so I may even just go get the train into London from Southampton Airport and then jump on the Eurostar. But there's a few flights out of Southampton Airport that are okay. Um, other than that, it's the fun drive up the M3 um, to Heathrow or across to Gatwick um, and go from there. Most of my flights are Heathrow based, unless I'm going to Amsterdam or Paris. I did try going from Southampton to Munich once with uh, British or whatever they called, it used to be called British Midland, Fly BMI. Um, and it seems that they advertised a route that they never actually managed to get a flight on because uh, I got to the airport and they canceled it. And then the return flight was also cancelled a week later. Um, but luckily, I'd bought another ticket by then. I have the flexibility to do that as it's a business purchase. I can just go and buy another ticket, not like everybody else. It kind of has to sit and wait. Yes. And obviously, you're lucky enough to travel for business. Um, what's your company's uh, policy regarding what sort of seats you're allowed to have? Well, um, I think my company is the same as a lot of companies now. It's uh, cheapest ticket. So if that means I'm down the back, then I'm down the back. Um, it's a long time since, I think, probably back to the IBM days. Um, when I first started at IBM, which would have been about 2006, I guess, um, where anything over eight hours was business class. And then probably in my last year and a half, they changed the policy and made uh, economy, or again, for our international uh, listeners, uh, coach class, uh, they made it standard. So. Most of my travel is in um, economy down the back. Uh, so my flight, I flew to San Diego, San Diego a couple of weeks ago. I was in the last row um, by choice. I did cho choose that seat. Um, there's a few seats that, uh, um, or a few, few ways of finding out the good seats on the plane. Um, seat Guru, for those of you who aren't aware, if you've not been to that site, SeatGuru.com, which is part of the TripAdvisor family. Um, they, you just plumb in your flight number and it's going to show you what, which seats are okay, which are, seats are really bad, don't go there, um, and then which seats are actually pretty decent. So that's always my go-to when I'm on a long-haul flight. Um, yeah, that, that's a great site. I, I use it when planning long-distance long travel. And I have one tab open with Seat Guru, looking at reviews of seats and what's happening in that area of the plane. And then I have the other tab open with the KLM website, selecting my seats based on that information. Yeah, interesting. Why, why are you a KLM uh, connoisseur? Is that just because of where you live and what's available from uh, it, up in your area? It's a combination of that and the fact that they won my lifelong loyalty uh, a few years ago. I was traveling from Edinburgh to uh, to Milan to my, to my sister's wedding. This was on a Friday afternoon. There was a massive power cut in Amsterdam, and I just tweeted at them with a picture of the wedding cake box in my hand luggage and said, I really need to get to Milan tonight. And once the airport reopened, they did everything in their power to get me to Milan. So they put me on the first flight out of Edinburgh. They held an Alitalia flight back for me and got me there. So... Right. At that point, I said, "Okay, KLM, you have done. You have gone above and beyond. I, you, you provide most of the routes I need anyway. So you won my loyalty, and they carry on looking after me. Obviously, I'm one of their their loyal customers. So I have lots of perks as a as a frequent flyer, but also little things like my partner and I a few weeks ago flew to San Francisco on my partner's birthday." And even though we were on the cheapest of the cheap £300 tickets from Edinburgh to San Francisco, they came along with a couple of glasses of champagne and a KLM postcard saying happy birthday. It's so definitely the, the little things that help. Yeah, the, even the, the little things. We were in those same seats you said at the very back of the plane. And it just made the experience great. And so as long as they carry on looking after me, 
uh, KLM uh, will have a special place in my heart. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I think that's that's key to having a good experience. Getting uh, an airline that actually has those the small things. I mean, I travel. I've traveled with loads of airlines, and I don't have a preferred airline. Um, I used to when it was business class because it made a difference collecting all those points um, and getting status. But when you're in economy, even traveling the amount I do, you struggle to get status uh, because um, if I'm flying to Europe, British Airways, uh, or if I'm traveling international, it really depends where I'm going. Um, but Qatar Airways is the equivalent for me. They just have the little things that make the difference. Um, welcoming you by name onto the plane. I flew to Australia recently. I was the first one in, they have a, a little section at the back of an, their Airbus A380, which is just for frequent flyer travelers, um, typically. Uh, and then they'll fill it up with a few other people, but they don't let screaming kids up there, which is very nice. Um, but when I flew to Australia, they she said, oh, welcome, Mr. Dearlove. Um, you can have your exit seat if you like, which you've reserved, or I've cordoned off these four seats for you if you would prefer those. Uh, I keep the whole row of four for you so that you can sleep all the way to Sydney. It was like, yeah, great, perfect. And she wouldn't let anybody else sit there, um, even though the people were kind of looking around going, oh, there's some seats there. She's like, nope, they're reserved for Mr. Dear. That's fantastic. Um, top tip, if you're flying Qatar, uh, be aware of some linguistic barriers with their cabin crew sometimes. Uh, a couple of years ago, my manager and also Lukesh's manager later on, and I went out to our office in Singapore, so Edinburgh to Doha, Doha to Singapore, and on the way from Doha to Singapore, uh, the cabin crew came around offering drinks, and I ordered a gin and bitter lemon, which is pretty standard on British Airways flights, uh, but the cabin crew looked at looked quite surprised, looked at the purser, and the purser just nodded. And all she did was pour me a whole tumbler of gin and put in a bit of lemon. <laughs> <laughs> so watch out, kids. Make sure you're clear and that you set expectations. Uh, it's, it, it can be an issue. But Qatar's service is excellent, and uh, this was just an example of it. I had a very... According to them, a very strange request, which they 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 didn't have any problems fulfilling. Must yeah. must have been a very fun flight then. <laughs> well, Robert, uh, our our manager is, in a way, giggling because he just ordered a beer. <laughs> yeah, and uh, KLM is starting to win me over as well. Matteo has been talking about them, and I can I'm starting to get um, get the KLM love as well. I was traveling. To and from China, uh, to to China and back to Hong, from Hong Kong, and uh, I got sat next to, randomly next to two uh, one one uh, one way I was sat next to a Polish uh, IT engineer and back a young Polish couple uh, who were just coming back from from Hong Kong completely randomly. Um, but I don't know how how completely random this is because. What, what what are the chances that you're in a full flight flying from um, from China or Hong Kong back to Amsterdam rather than to Poland, and and and, and you're sat next to uh, your compatriots? So that was that was quite quite fun. Yeah, that that's an interesting one. So I don't know about KLM, but I know that uh, in the travel industry there was talks a few years ago of Lufthansa, the German carrier. Uh, working with Facebook data. So users logged in to their Facebook account on the Lufthansa website. They would put people check, they would seat people relative to common interests in their Facebook about, about profile. Uh, that all went very, very quiet, probably because in the German market, that sort of privacy issue is tutted at, let's put it that way. But uh, it, it is one of those things that as people travel more, they spend more times time on planes. There can be some social experimentation around that, as in try and get people who are more likely to be similar, like frequent truck flyers and Qatar having that end of a plane cordoned off for people with a similar travel profile, and likewise put all the kids together in the in the <laughs> ball pit. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I'm not very sociable on an aeroplane. 
Um, I do kind of keep myself to myself. If the person next to me starts to talking to me, then I will do for a while, but then headphones in, book out, uh, and away I go. Um, sometimes you meet interesting people. Sometimes people are just uh, uh, need to talk to somebody. And that's do you, use, do you use noise cancelling headphones or just? Uh, I've got noise isolation, so uh, they are on my desk here somewhere. I got yeah, a pair of uh, Shure um, headphones that I bought recently. So they're Bluetooth uh, headphones I can stick my music on. Um, but uh, yeah, they're very good. I've got also used these, used to use these big things on an aeroplane, but uh, actually getting them into my backpack now with all of the camera gear that I travel with um, has become quite difficult. Very good. And speaking of camera gear, what's what's your camera of choice? What do you carry around? So this is the current uh, current thing in my bag. Um, it's a Canon Rebel T7i in the US. Um, which is a, an 800D, I think, over here. Um, and it's pretty good. I bought it uh, um, what, probably six months ago. Um, got a couple of lenses with it. I've got the, the trusty um, tripod, uh, the Joby Gorillapod. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of my time killer. If I'm, I, I typically find that if I'm in a hotel, um, if I don't have my camera gear with me, I'll just stay in the hotel and I'll either work or kind of just waste time. Um, and I think that that ends up with you gaining weight because if you're just sitting in a hotel, you're typically ordering from room, ser room service or eating rubbish. Um, so I always make an effort to go out and walk and take pictures when I can. Um, so I recently and, and if you want to check out my instagram feed just to big myself up um, mark underscore dear love is my uh, uh, instagram handle in fact i have two i also have dear love photos as well dear love underscore photos one is kind of everything that i've taken and uh, think is is worth worthwhile posting generically and then i have another one which is actually a business account because that's kind of something I'm I'm aspiring to in the future is maybe trying to sell some of the pictures. So I only put a few things on that particular site. I'm a bit more selective. So yes, um, just, lots of just pictures on that again. It's M underscore dear love. No, Mark underscore dear oh, love. Mark. Okay. So Mark yeah. underscore dear love. Yeah, we'll put that in the description. Yes. Cool. That, that's fantastic to hear because uh, what you just mentioned about staying in a hotel, putting on weight, is exactly what I managed to avoid going to Singapore this year. Uh, as well as that, I also ended up setting up the website called Tech Travel Geeks, uh, whilst <laughs> messaging Lukash uh, back in Edinburgh. Uh, that's how Tech Travel Geeks started out. Uh, I was in Singapore working from our Singapore office there. And at the time, I, I didn't even have a proper camera. Uh, I was still in the mobile phones are good enough phase and was using the Honor View 10 which is still a great camera. Uh, it doesn't do everything, but for most users, especially on Instagram, especially on social media, uh, smartphones are getting good enough, but there's still some things where a camera excels, such as strange lighting conditions, pointing them straight at the sun. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's just the flexibility of having the, the zoom lens on there um, or a, like a prime, 50mm prime lens on there for for street photography, you can kind of sneak around with that, um, but get very high quality pictures that, yeah, you can get them from a phone, um, but I can toast at the time, um, whether it's done on a, a DSLR, um, even from uh, before this Canon, I have a Canon G7X um, that I got in Hong Kong. In fact, I brought two back, one for me, one for Paul O'Brien, hopefully the tax man's not listening. Um, and, uh, uh, which is a fantastic camera and, and still a lot of people out there who are vlogging still use that or it's it's the the g7x mark ii um or the sony rx 100s just fantastic uh compact cameras with zoom lenses um but yeah I did, again i got to the the point of i want to have a much faster lens on there um i want to be able to take low lighting pictures that are a little bit better um, capture more detail, and that's why I went for the, the, the Canon. Um, I have a very old Sony, uh, what is it? I can't even remember what it was, a, A100 or A200 or something like that um, that's also in, in the cupboard in there, but it doesn't get very much use from me. It's more the kids use that now um, when they want to play. 
can I ask, uh, I'm quite interested in that, uh, using a DSLR uh, is great for photos, but it's uh, tricky to uh, to upload afterwards. What's your workflow? What, what do you use? How do you um, download and how do you select the photos? So the, the um, 800D or the T7i um, has Wi-Fi in it. So I can use the um, app, the Canon app on my phone if I want to pull the, those photos down. Um, typically what I'll do though is I'll go back to the hotel um, and I will take the, the card out and whack it into my um, MacBook Pro that I've got here. So I've got one on my desk that I'm, I keep at home that is kind of a bit more of a beast, but I use a 13 inch MacBook Pro for work um, with a whole host of adapters because it's only got USB-C on it. Um, so a whole host of adapters, one of which is an SD card reader and USB and Ethernet and HDMI. So I kind of got all in one in that. Um, and then I use Lightroom. Um, I'm transitioning from Lightroom Classic, CC Classic to Lightroom CC, which is, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Lightroom, but it's kind of two different interfaces. The, the new Lightroom CC um, is great because it also syncs all your photos up to the cloud automatically and into the Lightroom mobile app. So if I'm just on on the fly, I'll use the Canon app to pull things down onto my phone, and then I'll edit in Lightroom mobile, which is a fantastic photo editing tool. If you haven't used it, go try it out. It's pretty much got everything in it that you can do on the desktop version, um, including presets can be loaded up in there. You just sync them across from your, your machine, uh, from your laptop sync them over into the app, and then you're using the full presets and tweaking the, the most granular setting that you could on that phone. And for Instagram, that's great. Um, so in, when I went to Thailand on holiday, I do get some time that's relaxation. A um, couple of weeks in Thailand, I didn't take a laptop with me. I just used the DSLR, the Canon app to pull the photos onto my phone, and then Lightroom uh, to edit them, and then Instagram to upload them. So it's a bit of a workflow, but uh, it works. It's very good. That's brilliant. Yeah, I, I've been looking into that as well. I, I've used Lightroom uh, a bit, uh, and it's a great app on my Windows, but I've never used it on, on my phone. So you should try it. It's, try it's, it yeah. it's better than any of the built-in editing tools that are in any of the uh, social apps. Mm. Um, it's better than any other mobile editing specific app that I've downloaded. And everyone thinks, oh, it's Adobe, it's Lightroom, it's going to be expensive. It's free. It's completely free. Obviously, for the synchronization features, you need to have Lightroom as well um, mm -hmm. on, a, on a separate device. But from a standalone mobile editing photo app, it's great. That's good to hear. And I don't work for Adobe. But <laughs> but if anyone from Adobe is listening to this podcast, um, you can find him on Instagram, Mark underscore, underscore Dearlove. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of photos that I've uploaded in the last couple of days since I got back from San Francisco there as well. So. Very good. And uh, you mentioned mobile there. So um, you, you said you're an Android user. What uh, is your network of choice when uh, traveling? Obviously, you have a work phone. What's your personal network of choice? Uh, personal network of choice, I think, is the same as most travelers uh, from the UK, although it's a little bit easier with the other networks now. But I think three just uh, kind of stands out when you're traveling around the world. Um, I don't have the greatest signal at home, but I have one of their uh, broadband devices to plug into the broadband to give me better signal at home. Um, what is it? The home signal, I think it's called. Yes, the, um, the, the marketing term is home signal. Uh, I think the technical term is femtocell. So they leverage your, your yeah. home broadband to give you cell phone connectivity. Yes. So, um, but I rarely use my phone in the house on the network. So I, I don't I don't make phone calls very often. I've got three kids who are all on WhatsApp. Um, so if, if I'm at home, I'm on Wi-Fi. If I'm out and about, other than my house, if I go up the street, it's fine. Um, but traveling around the world, pretty much everywhere you go, and I don't know, don't even know how many countries it is now, 60, 70 countries that they have their feel at home service in, just makes a big difference. Yeah, um, funnily enough, both Lukesh and I are happy three users. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of an edge case in the sense that I have five active SIM cards with them, uh, <laughs> but very useful for traveling uh, to countries specifically like the US, Australia, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, 
whole list of them. Though you did, do need to watch out, not all countries are included, as Lukas discovered recently on his round-the-world trip. Lukas, mm -hmm. do you want to sh share your Canadian experience with us? Oh, well, yeah. Uh, in Canada, I didn't have the uh, at home, feel at home uh, option, so I, yeah, I spent quite a few pounds on on roaming in there, and uh, I, I, I think I have set myself a limit of thirty pounds or something, over which uh, it stops. So I had to call the, their service to to increase my limit to even uh, get the extra one day, um, twenty four hours of of internet usage. I tried getting a a phone a, a card. A local sim in in Canada, um, but even the the seller at the at the store said, "Oh, it's not worth it for 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 thirty six hours or whatever." I I was there, so I just survived with almost no internet. But that was fine. Similar in China, where I decided uh, on purpose not to get a local sim card, uh, and I was so happy not going. Uh, around the Great Wall or uh, seeing the Terracotta Warriors and checking my Instagram at the same time or re uh, checking my uh, Facebook feed. Uh, I just, when I got, got to the hotel, I, I logged into the Wi-Fi, did what I had to, but in the, in the, in the real world, I, I managed to soak it in. So that's another consideration. If you want, to, if you want a bit of detox from the internet, don't get a local SIM card. Or just go to China. I mean, obviously, you guys have been to China a lot. It's uh, it's always an interesting place to go and trying to still keep in connection. Um, my company is wholly Google Apps, um, and most of those Google Apps are blocked in uh, uh, China. So I couldn't even get my work emails, which was nice. I missed a few meetings accidentally because of that. Yes, on on that subject, uh, Lukash and I are actually working on a VPN service review, uh, specifically with China in mind, because Lukash, you've just been. I was earlier there this year as a guest of Meizu for the launch of the Meizu 15 smartphone, and I will be going back to Shenzhen on holiday uh, next month. So I will be testing out a series of VPNs and we'll have a, a roundup on Tech Travel Geeks. And hopefully we'll be able to have a chat with you about that. Do you use VPN services, Mark? I do, yeah. I have a, a Nord VPN uh, service. And actually, that is one that I found does work in China. Um, obviously, China is one where you're not supposed to use VPNs because they're, and half the time you can't because they're all blocked. Um, but they have an anonymized VPN service that uh, seems to work OK uh, most of the places I went to. so. Um, I did manage to to use that, but obviously not on my work device because I'm not allowed to put stuff like that on there. Um, but on my personal device, I was able to still get connected um, through NordVPN. So yeah, I, I've tried a lot of VPN services. Um, they're all much of a muchness, but yeah, NordVPN is the one of choice currently. I've been using ExpressVPN, which I found really good. They actually even use Tor uh, Tor networks for anonymizing uh, your traffic. So that, that was quite good. I tried two other ones. I don't remember the names just now, and I wasn't so successful. So yeah, ExpressVPN seemed like a good choice for me. Yeah, yeah. the trouble is they, they obviously they suddenly find the IP and then it gets blocked. So a VPN service that does work today may not work in three days' time. Um, so yeah, you end up on a rotation thing. Um, v heading back to, I, I set up a VPN in my house, so that worked for a while as well. Very nice. And that VPN you set up in your house, is it one of those Raspberry Pi projects? Uh, no, um, I'm. this is why I'm on this uh, uh, session with you guys. I'm a bit of a geek. Um, so no, I have a, a, a Ubuntu box that sits under my stairs and uh, does all sorts of bits and pieces, films and things like that, but VPN service and web server and all those kind of things as well. So um, it's... I mean, I could put it on a Raspberry Pi, but um, I also have, a, I think, six terabytes of storage on there. And there's a lot of stuff processing that goes on to put things back together again as they come through uh, my broadband connection. So. Very good. So no, that, that's very interesting. Uh, obviously, the tech travel geeks do advise you use a VPN, especially when using public Wi-Fi. 
you never want Definitely. to be caught out uh, with your bank details or your Google or Facebook or LinkedIn. Account. Well, we could probably do away with our LinkedIn accounts, but uh, with your social media accounts uh, being stolen by someone, uh, it is a high-risk thing. So having a VPN service is good. There are plenty of free options. Uh, but if you want extra data, extra speed, it's worth paying that extra little bit of money uh, once a month. Think of it as the cost of a cup of coffee to protect your Wi-Fi use in a coffee shop. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's key. Uh, and, and don't go on anything that's called free Wi-Fi. Um, ignore those ones. Yeah, and just make sure that uh, you've got a VPN service that actually the, the app will start when your machine starts or when your browser starts, it will only connect uh, via VPN. So that's that's kind of a key to that as well. Yeah, that was one of the things I did back in the in the Mudaku days. I had an Asus EPC uh, running Linux Mint, uh, which at the time was a very new Linux distro. And I was sitting at Edinburgh Airport uh, after check-in uh, and security running a free Wi-Fi, uh, essentially honeypots thing, yeah. and using Wireshark to intercept all information that went through. I was then obviously doing the decent thing, which was emailing everyone. Obviously, I had people's email addresses and <laughs> communications. I was then emailing them to let them know that they really shouldn't be doing this. And this is the sort of information that you do capture doing that. Yeah, yeah, and it's key. I mean, it's there's a lot of people that travel with work laptops who don't think about these things as well. Maybe the business doesn't have a VPN because you don't need it. You're always in the office. But um, yeah, if you're traveling, anything that you're connecting to, yeah. And it's very easy with Wireshark. I've done it to get a password out of an old uh, BT OpenReach router. Um, or no, actually, it was a Sky router. They didn't give you the password for their Sky connection. I needed the password because I wanted to use a BT OpenReach modem um, rather than their pretty awful uh, device as it was at that time. Um, so yeah, using Wireshark to intercept the, the password that was being sent, grabbing that and putting it into the other router was worked fine. Yeah, so safe kids, use VPN when traveling. Definitely. Very, very, very important. Good. So um, you, you've mentioned you're an Android user. You use uh, Sure noise-canceling earphones, the ones, the in-ear ones. Yeah. What else is in your gadget bag? Um, this at the moment, this is a freebie from Accor Hotels, which is uh, a very useful multi-point charger. Although being a USB-C user doesn't really help an awful lot for, for that. Um, but it charges my Kindle. It charges uh, uh, my iPad as well. Um, you can see I was prepared for this because I have all the devices next to me. So this little uh, uh, guy here is the most important thing in my bag because if I don't have this, I can't do anything. Um, so this is, uh, what is it, say, a GeoMix or GYD mix, not sure what it is, um, that I got off Amazon. It's basically a, a worldwide multi-plug, but on the bottom it also has USB uh, in a couple of different varieties. So um, that's kind of the, the key in my bag these days. What's the what's the power output? Can you charge multiple devices from it at the same time? Uh, each USB is 2.4 amps max, uh, 3.4 amps total. Okay, so that's decent enough for overnight charging. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I mean, it's, it's not going to any, win any speed awards for charging, but uh, yeah, I just plug everything in at night um, and uh, the next morning it's all happy. Um, what else do I travel with? Uh, so I'm currently rocking one of these lovely fellas, which is the, uh, um, well, it's Withings again now. It was Nokia for a while, but the, uh, the Withings Steel HR um, smartwatch, which it's decent. I mean, it's. It, I've had it for a year and a half now. It does well for me. It doesn't look like a, a smartwatch, so nobody's going to come and try and grab it off your wrist. Although if they were to grab anything, it'd be the camera that's dangling around my neck, I guess. Um, step count, most important to me, making sure that I'm active, doing my 20 miles over a weekend in, in Sydney, 20 miles walking with my camera. Um, a heart rate as well, but they've just updated the the firmware, so now you actually get notifications on it. You could You could get SMS and phone call notifications previously, but now you can get all notifications from your phone onto it. So trying to read my WhatsApp messages as they kind of scroll across the screen, um, but it works for me. Uh, so that and the charger for that. Um, yeah, mostly it's my camera gear. So the the Canon SLR lenses that go with that, the battery charger, which uh, um, is relatively compact. 
for that as well. Um, what else? MacBook Pro for work. And as I say, all the adapters that go with it, my lovely thumb mouse that I use um, that is probably needs replacing soon, but uh, the anti-RSI device that's there. Um, and that's pretty much it, I guess. Um, I try and travel as light as I can for everything else because of the um, the weight of the camera and the lenses. Um, oh, there's not always an iPad in the bag as well. Um, so that's my Readly uh, reader. Do you usually check in or, uh, or just travel with hand luggage? Uh, I always check in. I'm one of the, the rare people now that um, can't stand trying to cram bags into the overhead locker uh, alongside everybody else's suitcase. So um, again, I'm mostly traveling for business. Um, I'm usually not in a rush because I tend to travel the day before I'm needing to do any work. Um, and I just rather have just my backpack on, check everything else in. Um, I'm not paying for the check-in, so it makes a difference to me. It makes a little bit of a difference arriving the other end. You can't just kind of run out of the airport and, and get uh, in a cab or on the train. Um, but no, I'm, I'm a big believer in checking bags. I don't want to have to get all my toiletries out. I don't want to be limited on how much of that stuff I can take. Just makes for a much more relaxing uh, kind mm -hmm. of journey. I'm, yeah. I'm the other end. I'm the opposite end with always just hand luggage. I traveled the ro the world in six weeks, and I only used my my hand luggage. Uh, uh, not I on a few flights I did check in, admittedly, yeah. but most most of them I tried. Uh, so I have a quite a big bag. Uh, it's called Douchebags, uh, which is by one of the YouTubers, Jan Olson, and uh, I find it really, really handy. Uh, so I'm able to leave the airport early. I'm able to come in quite late. So yeah, uh, um, yeah that's 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 where I find the benefits. Yeah, I, I get annoyed with people that have far too much stuff, uh, and then they get upset at the crew because there's no space in the overhead lockers. Uh, it's like your choice to bring stuff on the plane if you've. Uh, got too much stuff that you've got to have bags under the seat in front. That's your problem. Sorry, mate. Um, and uh, I've been asked several times, oh, can you take your bag off and put it under the seat? I'm like, nope, I paid for checked luggage. This is my seat space. And I am six foot four. Um, so I need all the seat space, uh, under seat space I can get. That's a very good, good point. Um, I mean, admittedly, Lukash uh, was so tightly packed in his douchebag that he, that we, we were at DroidCon Dubai on the way. He just happened to be in town whilst I was speaking there. And he uh, gave me the DroidCon Dubai polo shirt to take back to Edinburgh because he didn't have space for it. Can't get it in. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. So what's your packing strategy? What's the methodology you use for packing? Uh, it's just drop it in. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I, I have a small suitcase that I, I travel with, a, a Venga suitcase that I have, um, which I can travel relatively light in, and it has a slot for my laptop and things. But even with that, I, I throw it in the hold. Um, I have very large feet, um, so socks all go in the shoes, that kind of stuff. But I'm not like you. Know, I don't use compression bags. I don't roll things up. It's cram it in and zip it up, and away we go. Um, I don't spend any time at all. Um, if we're going as a, away as a family, I do all the packing. Um, my wife said, how do you get it in there so quick? I'm like, because I just throw it in and stuff it down and zip it up. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a last minute person. I'll pack half an hour before I have to go to the airport. Very good. That's something I'm trying to avoid doing for tomorrow morning because my flight's at six o'clock. And uh, so I'm trying to prepare myself also <laughs> because one of the events I'm at is business casual, which is always very interpretable. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, business casual. For me, that then in our office in uh, San Diego, um, business casual is basically uh, shorts and flip flops. Make sure you're yeah. taking your wetsuit off. It's a, it's essentially uh, no t-shirts with swear words on them. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, we'll find out in London on Tuesday evening, where the tech travel geeks are guests of Huawei again for the launch of what everyone is thinking is going to be the Huawei Mate 20 Pro. Well, that should be interesting. I've not managed to get to one of those launch events yet. Um, it's uh, I'm usually somewhere else uh, when all these things happen. I think I tried to go to a couple and then I had to go away on business. So. Well, um, I'll be catching up with Paul O'Brien there. We'll 
retitle this show the Paul O'Brien shout-out show. Definitely. Yeah, why not? Uh, good fellow. He knows uh, everything there is to know about everything to do with Android. So, Yes, and and for customer service uh, solutions as well. Yeah, and drones and, uh, yeah. GoPros. Uh, yeah, anything technology-wise, uh, he's your man, really. Exactly. Oh, drone is my subject, so it's good to know. <laughs> Yes. Speaking of drones, I'm just going to prod Lukash here. How's that Meet 20 Lite uh, video coming on with drone footage? There might be some drone footage at the end. Yes, spoiler alert. Good. So, Do you think we can get that YouTube video published before the Mate 20 Pro launches? <laughs> oh, yes. yes, most certainly. So, yeah, we, we went uh, to film some um, video and we've, we took my drone and flew around Edinburgh. Uh, one of the hills, what was the hill called in Edinburgh? It's Christorfen Hill. Christorfen Hill, yep. And also at the uh, golf course ne next yeah. uh, nearby, I almost got hit by a ball, a golf ball, but survived. Yeah. <laughs> the, so the, to give you a bit of context, uh, I live on the west end of Edinburgh in between the center of town and the airport. Uh, the back of my apartment goes on to Carrick Canal Golf Course. And uh, Lukesh's flight with the autumnal colors uh, last week was impressive. Watch the Mate 20 Lite video when it's published on our, the Tech Travel Geeks YouTube channel just for the drone footage. It's worth it, believe me. Um, speaking of that, uh, Mark, any other low-tech travel tips you can give us? Low tech travel tips. Uh, so, for me, this is the most low tech I can get. It's not a, a bad drug. It's melatonin. Uh, so that's kind of my uh, tool of choice for uh, trying to avoid jet lag as much as possible. Um, it works for me. It doesn't work for everybody. But you can't buy it in this country um, without a prescription. But you can buy it over the uh, off the shelf in the supermarkets in the US. So, um, I I often use that. Um, take it half an hour before I want to go sleep and that helps. So maybe not uh, um, the highest tech thing, but it definitely helps for me. Um, I think the biggest low tech thing that I can recommend that everybody does is sleep wherever you are in the world at 10 o'clock at night. So it doesn't matter whether you slept the night before or not. If you've gone 36 hours without sleep, do not sleep in the middle of the afternoon. Don't turn up somewhere at 10 o'clock in the morning and go straight to bed. You've got to stay up. Uh, you've got to stay up till 10 o'clock at night, uh, wherever you are in the world. And that is going to get you on track uh, much better than kind of suddenly sleeping in the middle of the day, which your body is just going to find uh, very confusing. Um, jet lag ensues, and then you'll spend the next two, three weeks trying to get over it. I, I completely agree. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of experience over the years of not doing it right. Um, and uh, now doing it the right way. As I say, I got back from San Francisco Friday afternoon, um, and I've had two normal full night's sleep since then. Well done, well done. Um, luckily, I'm just traveling to London this week, so no jet lag there. Uh, I may have currency issues and translation issues due to my Scottish <laughs> accent, but hopefully not. Excellent. So thanks very much again, uh, Mark, for coming on the Tech Travel Geeks podcast. Where can people follow you on the, the internet? Um, so probably the, the one place that I'm most active these days is Instagram. I, I used to be quite active on Twitter. I'm a little less so these days. Um, but uh, at MDLove on Twitter. Um, I do have three Twitter accounts, but the other two are work ones. One which is specifically me for work, and then there's another one which is kind of my company's learning uh, team. Um, but yeah, at MDLove on Twitter. Um, or... Mark underscore dear love, kind of the best places to get me. Um, I used to be a Google Plus guy, as as you know, we used to do quite a bit on there. Obviously, no more. Um, in fact, little known fact, I had the uh, food uh, group on Google Plus, which had over a hundred thousand people on it. Um, although probably fifty percent of those were spammers. But your your slow cooker uh, lamb is, is all forever in my hashtag food porn gallery. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, food is uh, kind of my relaxation time. I put less of it on Instagram now. But if you go back far enough on my Instagram feed, you will find all sorts of uh, food-related stuff, whether it be uh, 
um, the raw ingredients or the, the finished ingredients, but I did kind of clean out quite a lot of that stuff because uh, um, putting just the travel photography on there now is is what I'm trying to do. But you'll still find some if you go far enough back. That's fantastic. Well, again, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, Lukash, how about you? Where can people follow you on the internet? Uh, so on Instagram, I'm just Lukash Suriga. Um, that's my full name without any dots or dashes. Uh, on Twitter, I'm El Suriga. I don't post too much, but I'm, I'm trying to nowadays more and more. Um, and yeah, on Tech Travel Geeks, uh, you can find us on YouTube and on the internet, techtravelgeeks.com. How about Excellent. you? Um, obviously, I'm at Tudaleo pretty much everywhere. Uh, I'm on techtravelgeeks.com as well. Uh, and obviously, on Tech Travel Geeks on YouTube. You can subscribe to Tech Travel Geeks on YouTube. If you do, you'll get some great videos like the one I've been prodding Lukash about all episode. That's the Huawei Mate 20 Lite review that we've comp almost completed. It just needs to be published. And the uh, other videos you'll see is obviously this podcast and our unboxings and reviews of other gadgets and things which are travel related or can make travel better. Because we do believe that travel is a complex thing that can be made both more comfortable and more rewarding thanks to technology. So thanks for watching, everyone. Good night. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye.